powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Prog Watch. Music that tells a story. With your friend and host... Big Tony Rousick, a.k.a. Prog Squatch. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Welcome back to Prog Watch, my friends. This is Big Tony, your host, and I've got a very interesting program lined up for you. The subject of the program is Gryphon, G-R-Y-P-H-O-N, one of the most fascinating bands ever to come out of the 70s, in my opinion, prominently featuring unconventional, for rock music anyway, instruments such as crumb horns and bassoons. The band came out of the gate with a very unique sound on their self-titled debut album in 1973. They were quite difficult to pigeonhole, and were classified as progressive rock, progressive folk, folk rock, medieval folk rock, medieval progressive folk rock. Well, I may be exaggerating a bit, but you get the idea. Griffin were very different. So I was very excited when I got the opportunity to speak with Dave Oberlay, one of the original members of Griffin, a few weeks ago. Dave will be filling us in on some of the history of the band and his own personal history, which is sometimes as interesting as the sound of Griffin. Before I get into some of my chat with Dave, I'd like to start things off with some classic Griffin music from their first album. I'm going to play much of what would have been the first side of the first self-titled Griffin LP, including Kemp's Jig, Sir Gavin Grimbold, Touch and Go, and Three Jolly Butchers.
Softly jolly butchers As I've heard many say They were going to some market town Their money for to pay They rode together for a mile or two And a little more besides Said Johnson unto chips and stop I heard a woman and stop, I won't, said Gypsum And stop, I won't, said Royd And stop, I will, said Johnson For I heard a woman cry Johnson, he alighted And viewed the place around And saw a naked woman With her hair tied to the ground She put her fingers to her lips and gave three piercing cries. Again, that was Kemp's Jig, Sir Gavin Grimbold, Touch and Go, and Three Jolly Butchers by Dave Oberlay, Richard Harvey, Brian Gulland, and Graham Taylor, the original lineup of Griffin, 
from their self-titled debut album in 1973. Now let's listen to a bit of my chat with Dave Oberley of the band. First, let me say it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on the program. Ah, it's great to be talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we begin, can you tell me how you like to pronounce your last name? That was a question among the Progzilla <laughs> folks there. Yeah, it's Oberlay. It's pronounced. There's an, uh, a French acute accent on the last D, okay. which makes it an E. Eh. So instead of Oberl, it's Oberlay. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll make sure I say it properly in the program then. <laughs> no, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I get called. I get called all sorts of things. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your early history? How did you first get into music? And you know, did you have a musical family? Uh, yeah, my mum played uh, piano, so I, I was quite used to hearing sort of classical pieces and and sort of popular me- music from the fifties. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was sort of really brought up with music in the family, um, and that led on, you know, to, to sort of an appreciation of it probably. But uh, I decided that that not so interested in notes, I was more interested in hitting things. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I used to play uh, used to play on an old wooden box. Um, with with some meat skewers, you know that sort of thing. So that's how I started, around about the age of five, I think, five or six, something like that. And yeah, as they say, from there on, everything was downhill, really. Yeah. So when did you get like your first uh, proper drums? Uh, well, my dad bought me a drum, uh, snare drum, when I was ten, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and from there on, you know, as with most kids, you, you sort of save up and you buy bits and pieces. So I had a, I had a kit that was composed of, of various different makes of, of drums, um, which you know I sort of put together in, in some sort of kit. Um, and it, yeah, it, it really just moved on from from there. I, I think at that time, um, I mean, I wasn't playing with a band or whatever, but I used to sit at home and thrash about much to the annoyance of my father but there you go <laughs> um and, and uh yeah it was it, it was a sort of earliest start for me um i met a couple of guys at school when i was about 11 11 or 12 uh both who played guitar and that was really where it started we just you know we were cover, doing covers of of songs that were uh popular at the time and it, it moved on from there really mm-hmm. so uh Let's fast forward a little to the formation of Griffin and the uh, interesting musical direction the band took. Can you fill us in a little on how that all came to be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Richard and Brian, who were the founding members, were at the Royal College of Music in London, um, and they were both uh, classically trained musicians. In fact, Brian had been a chorister at Canterbury Cathedral, um, but decided to take up bassoon of all things. Yeah. Um, so they they got together, um, and I think you know around about that time there, there, there wasn't really you could go into a national orchestra, um, or you could branch out and do you know something yourself, um, which is what I think they decided to do. They both had an interest in medieval music, um, and I think it really started from there. Um, the next person really to join was a, a lute player called Chris Lukey. And uh, I think Chris, again, moved on, and they approached Graham Taylor, uh, current guitarist, 
um, who was an old school friend of Richard's. Um, and I was, at that point, I was playing in a, a, a heavy rock band. Um, I think I was probably 18 then, 17 or 18, around about then. <clears throat> and they saw me playing one night and approached me and said, you know, do you want to come and, and try your hand at this? So it was a completely different, um, you know, completely different musical style. Yeah. Uh, well, completely different full stop, really. So I, I then had to adapt not only my playing, but also the kit that I was playing. So I reduced everything down to an absolute minimum um, and and learnt a lot of what they were already playing. Um, and the band really started out playing in restaurants and bars in London. Um, that, that was it, really. Griffin, you know, sort of started off uh, in quite a humble way, in fact, just like most bands. You know, you sort of get the work where you can and whatever. Um, and it was mainly uh, medieval dances, folk songs, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we'd been out playing, um, and we were approached one evening by a guy called Lawrence Aston, who was... Uh, head of A&R for Transatlantic Records. Um, and that was it, really. We were approached and uh, we got a recording contract and the first Griffin album happened. And that, that really, it was quite, you know, pretty much as simple as that, really. Yeah. So there was a whole sort of uh, re-emergence, I guess, of uh, folk music at that time with Fairport and all those other bands. Were you running in some of the same circles with those kind of people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we. I mean, once we, we'd actually started, um, the the gig circuit then was was far better than it is now. Uh, at that time, there were the colleges, universities, um, that doesn't seem to happen so much now. So there was a, a fair bit of work around, and we toured toured around the UK. Um, and the first album um, uh, entered the UK album charts at number 17 I think only lasted for a week but at least we actually charted with it so, hey, yeah that's great um, yeah yeah it was good well it was that that got us started to get us recognised I think as well and and also uh, Transatlantic were, were you know pretty much geared into into what we were doing um, it was a great label I mean they had some really good artists on it John Ramble and Pentangle mm -hmm. um, and, and I think you know, it was it was one of those labels that, had we been taken on by anybody else, I'm not sure whether or not we'd have we'd have actually broken through. It's it's very difficult to know, but they they were certainly the right label for us. Yeah, fortunate for all of us, I guess. Um, no, great. <laughs> yeah, that's right, folks. Don't touch that dog. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 -chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Ch -ch 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 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now let's continue on with some music from Griffin's second album called Midnight Mushrumps and released in 1974. This is the title track, which made up the whole first side of the original LP release.
Again, that was Midnight Mushrooms from the album of the same name, Griffin's Second, released in 1974. Now let's hear something from their third, which was called Red Queen to Griffin Three, and also was released in 1974. This is Opening Move.
Again, that was opening move from Griffin's third album, Red Queen to Griffin 3. Stay with me through the break to hear some more of my chat with Dave Oberlay and music from the latest Griffin album called Reinvention, which was recorded more than 40 years after what everyone assumed was their last album in the late 1970s. I told you these guys were interesting. The vinyl may be gone. The album art may be a JPEG. Radio lives on forever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So before we get back to Dave Oberlay, and here's some of the first new Griffin music released in more than 40 years, let's listen to an epic that closed out Griffin's 1975 album called Rain Dance. This is Ein Klein Heldenleben, which I believe translates from the German to A Little Hero's Life.
Again, that was Ein Klein Heldenleben, which is for me one of the best tracks on Griffin's 1975 album called Rain Dance. Now let's hear a little more of my chat with Dave Oberlay, one of the founding and current members of Griffin. After a few years uh, into your career, you, you switched management, and you were actually with Brian Lane, who was managing Yes at the time, and uh, I believe it was Rick Wakeman introduced you? Yeah, Rick, Rick was uh, friends with, with Brian and Richard, um, and he was instrumental in getting assigned to, um, I think it was Worldwide Artists, which was Brian. Um, and, I mean, a lot had happened before that, obviously, with Mushrooms and, right. and uh, Red Queen. Red Queen was really the album. Um, that, that uh, I think really should have shot us into the limelight, certainly as far as America was concerned, because that was the album that we were touring with when we supported Yes. Um, so it was, it was, you know, an interesting time. The, the Mushrooms album had been a, a complete change of direction from the first album, far more classically based, really, and uh, it, it was, it was the sort of album I think that that really turned things around for us. Uh, we had a guy working for us called Martin Lewis, um, and Martin was a great publicist, and he managed to get us on, on television, on radio, in the national press. Um, so all of a sudden, the profile of the band just rocketed, and it happened very quickly, as these things tend to. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that, at that time... Um, once we'd got to to Red Queen, I think uh, you know the guys in Yes appreciated what we were doing, um, and I think Rick had, Rick had had you know quite a lot of influence in in uh, getting us introduced to Brian in the first place. Um, and as you probably know, you know some of us went on and played on various solo albums with uh, Steve Howard, John Anderson. Right. Um, so it was a very very good move for us, and and pushed us up into uh you know to, uh, to a different level really from from going to playing quite small gigs to suddenly playing in stadiums yeah you actually opened, <laughs> you opened for yes correct in 74 and 75 yeah that's right yeah 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 so it, that that was quite a shell shock for us you know as i said you're going, going from playing sort of 500,000 seated venues to suddenly walking out on a stage in front of 30,000 people was was a bit of a shock, but we got used to it very quickly, funnily enough. Yeah, amazing. So, yeah, it was actually it was a very it was a very good uh, very good time and a great experience. It really was. I think we were signed at that point. Brian had signed us to Arista um, or Bell, I think, as it was then, which was Clive Davis's label. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not that was quite the right label for us, I'm not quite sure. Um, they, at the time that we signed, they were they were working mainly with Barry Manilow, I think. <laughs> I seem to remember. <laughs> so, you know, slight conflicts of yeah, styles and, and interest and stuff. <laughs> uh, however, um, you know, the album did pretty well, and it, it made us it made a name for us in America, definitely. Which, which at that time, you know, for any British band, that was fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, after the Treason album in 77, you guys called it a day. But uh, you went on to help found the influential British music magazine, Kerrang! No, I certainly did, yeah. <laughs> How did you yeah, become well, involved in that? Yeah. Well, um, I started working, I worked on 
a, a British music paper called The Melody Maker, which had been around for years and years and mm-hmm. years, a weekly paper. Uh, then I moved to Sounds, which was a similar sort of thing, broadsheet newspaper uh, weekly. Um, and then I was approached to help launch Kerrang! along with uh, writers like Malcolm Doan, Jeff Barton. Um, and in its early stages, I don't think anybody ever believed that it was going to be as successful as it ended up being. Um, but it was an honour and a privilege to be part of that, actually, because it did go on to be, you know, one of the best-selling rock magazines of all time. Right. So, from from small acorns, as they say. You yes. Know, the thing is, with things like that, uh, you never know. You just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and it just grabbed the public imagination, I think. That was it. And I think at the, at the height of its... Uh, success it had a, a circulation of, of nearly 300,000 which is for the UK it was pretty spectacular really right and uh, how long were you involved with that uh, seven years six years six yeah six years I think okay um, so yeah and that, that was quite because I'd always had a you know I've always had a an interest in heavy rock and, and metal anyway because you know when I first started as I said I played it so um, I think I think that was always lurking in the back of my mind. Yeah. Um, so you know, to be able to work on something like that, and and also it was meeting you know meeting people, um, which kept me in contact with the business in a funny sort of way. Um, you know, we were we were quite influential in in uh, launching Metallica in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, bands like Bon Jovi, that sort of thing. It was it was. Um, there were people in and out of the office all the time, so it, it became a, you know, it became part of the job almost to be liaising with these guys and talking to them, finding out what was going on. And Malcolm, who was one of the Malcolm Dome, who was one of the um, writers on the magazine, was very good at getting information out of bands that most people wouldn't. In fact, in a lot of cases, the bands would get off the plane and come straight to the office and tell us what was going on before we even talked to the record company. So that caused a few problems along yeah. the way. But, hey. but yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was a good time, and I enjoyed it hugely. All right, yeah. I think, I mean, it's, it's still the sort of music that, that you know, I listen to. I, I listen to everything, really, because, you know, as you probably know, Griffin is full of many different influences and musical styles. So, sure. um, it, a bunch of guys coming together with, with lots and lots of different ideas, but it does tend to gel normally. It's, it works pretty well. Yeah. Finally, as I promised, here is one from Griffin's 2018 album called Reinvention. This is Sailor V, that's Sailor, S-A-I-L-O-R-V, the title of which is supposedly an awful pun according to the album liner notes, so I'm assuming that it is a pun on the French saying, C'est la vie.
Again, that was Sailor V from Griffin's 2018 album, Reinvention. A few weeks down the road, I will have a part two to this program, which will feature more of my interesting chat with Dave Oberlay, a few more classic Griffin tunes from the 70s, and a few more from their brilliant comeback album, Reinvention. So I hope you enjoyed this program on one of the more interesting bands to come out of the 70s, and one which many people would never have expected to get back together in this century. Thanks to Dave Oberlay for participating. He's a gentleman, a really nice guy, and it was great to talk to him. In the weeks ahead, I'll have some more great prog rock variety for you, more progressive discoveries with our man Rob Fisher, at least one more guest DJ feature, and at least two other Part 2 programs with Andrew Collier of Circuline, and the touring version of Robert Berry's 3.2, and Mark Truak of Unitopia and United Progressive Fraternity. Plus, maybe a surprise or two. I hope you will be with me. Until next time, please remember to check out progwatch.com, that's P-R-O-G-W-A-T-C-H dot com, where you can find all sorts of cool stuff, like links to featured artists' web pages, links to Rob Fisher's reviews, on Progressive Discoveries Weeks, as well as all my social media links, my email, ways to subscribe to the show, listen right there, or search for any artists I've ever featured, and how to find my Patreon page if you would like to support the show. So until next time, be well, support the artists, and prog on, my brothers and sisters. Tourism. 
golden idols He's an Egyptian They're selling you made a stoner. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.